G'day, this is Russia if you're listening. I'm Matt Bevan. This is a bonus episode where we look at the latest developments in the Trump-Russia investigation. Today, the ABC's US correspondents Stephanie March and Connor Duffy are my guests. And don't forget, coming up on Monday, we will be releasing our next episode talking about the wealthy men who hold the power and money in Russia, the oligarchs. But first... A Trump date. Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, appears to be in a world of trouble. More and more details of his personal finances are coming out, and it seems he may have undeclared financial connections to Russia, Ukraine and the Middle East. Not to mention his longtime business partner has decided to flip and become a witness for the FBI, increasing the pressure on Michael Cohen to do the same. Meanwhile, Donald Trump himself is trying to discredit the investigation into him, saying the FBI had planted a spy inside his presidential campaign. He's now ordered an investigation into the investigators. So, like most weeks, there is a lot to talk about. Stephanie March and Connor Duffy are with me in Washington. G'day, guys. Hello. Hi. Now, look, this last week has been a lot about Michael Cohen. And Michael Cohen, uh, Donald Trump's personal lawyer, uh, has found himself in 400 different kinds of trouble. And, uh, uh, Connor, you've, this has kind of been your speciality over the last week. Uh, who is Michael Cohen and why is he in so much trouble? Matt, it's fascinating the stories that the Trump administration throws up and Michael Cohen is one of these just larger-than-life, colourful characters. He started in Long Island, just outside New York, um, in a very comfortable middle-class life and rose to great heights. He made it into Manhattan and had an office next door to President Trump, who he at one point considered a very good friend and who he was long-time fixer for. He rose through the ranks of New York, um, earning a fortune in the taxi business. We did some um, investigation there a long way from Manhattan going to some of the garages that Michael Cohen um, still has an investment in and the drivers there spoke of someone who was absolutely ruthless, who would shortchange people, who would do whatever it takes to accumulate a fortune and get to the top. So he's a New York businessman, is what you're saying. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's sort of what's gotten him into all this trouble was his relationship with um, Donald Trump. The uh, raid on his office by the FBI was related to payments he made to the, the porn star Stormy Daniels of $130,000. The president initially denied any knowledge of that. Michael Cohen himself denied that the president had paid him back that money. Donald Trump has since come clean and admitted that, in fact, he did pay Michael Cohen the money. Michael Cohen is um, now facing a whole lot of pain. Um, a judge at the moment is ruling on what uh, access prosecutors can take to the phones and documents that they seized from him, which he argues is bound by uh, attorney-client confidentiality. But if that goes against him, prosecutors will have a whole wealth of material to work with to um, illuminate the dark arts of the New York fixer. We're finding out other things about him, though, aren't we, Steph, about money that he had coming in from a whole bunch of other sources, including Russian oligarch-connected businesses and Korean aerospace industry mm. and uh, drug companies. What's, what's all that about? 
It's pretty complicated, but if you think back, this all started with Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's lawyer, paying off a porn star who alleges she had an affair with Donald Trump to shut her up before the election. So it seemed pretty salacious, but it seemed pretty straightforward. It's gotten so much more complicated. Yeah, I, I miss those Co- days when it was. I really miss those days I when know, it was simple. when it was just sex and scandal. <laughs> um, well, we've still got lots of scandal, but the the payment that he made to Stormy Daniels, this porn star, to do so, he set up a, a shell a shell company. A called Essential Consultants, uh, and he used that company to make the payment uh, to Ms Daniels. Now, what we found out in recent weeks is that that same company also had money coming into it from a variety of different sources that it's believed was used uh, by some companies um, to gain access to the president. Essentially, that's maybe what Michael Cohen was doing. He was being a bit of a fixer, um, you know, money for access type of thing. And as you mentioned, some of the companies, uh, there's communication companies, uh, things like that. But there is one uh, possible payment that seems quite controversial, and that's half a million dollars from a firm called Columbus Nova. Now, that's linked to a Russian oligarch who has the best name, Victor Vexelberg. Uh, but we still don't know, we don't know yet, uh, exactly what that money was for. Now, he's an incredibly powerful man in Russia. I think his company and him are subject to US sanctions, uh, but a very powerful, very influential man. Um, but the question is now, what was that money actually used for? Why was he paying Michael Cohen uh, and whether it was some sort of quid pro quo? Did it have a connection to the president uh, or was it just uh, money for something Michael Cohen did? Um, it raises a whole bunch of other questions too, whether or not Michael Cohen was receiving money from foreign entities uh, in terms of his connection to the president. Uh, why wasn't he registered as a, as a foreign lobbyist? Something that you have to do. Um, the other thing that's got him in trouble back to that initial payment when it comes to Stormy Daniels, the porn star, uh, is whether or not that payment that he made to her, possibly from Donald Trump or not, although Donald Trump has essentially admitted that, yes, he did eventually reimburse him, whether or not that constitutes a campaign finance violation. Uh, so essentially in the US, if you're contributing to a campaign um, in, or giving them some sort of in-kind um, thing of value, you have to declare it. Now, it wasn't declared, and it could be argued that this payment uh, went a long way to helping Donald Trump's campaign by silencing Stormy Daniels uh, in those crucial weeks leading up to the election. Election. So there's a, a lot going on with Michael Cohen now, um, and essentially the key seems to be follow the money, uh, and that's what you'd imagine the Mueller investigation and the federal agents are doing. There's also another uh, thing that Donald Trump has been tweeting about a lot, which is an allegation that there are spies. Uh, there were spies planted inside of his campaign by the FBI in 2016. Steph, what, what's going on with this? So Donald Trump has dubbed this Spygate. Uh, essentially what's emerged in the past couple of weeks is that a Cambridge professor called Stephen Halper uh, made contact with three people in the Trump campaign uh, during 2016 and at some point during that year he became an informant to the FBI. Uh, now there's been a lot of speculation about this in recent weeks. Uh, one of the publications here in the US named him, I think it was last week or the week before um, and Donald Trump has taken that uh, and extrapolated it to there was a spy, a plant by the FBI put into my campaign. Uh, he says if it's true it'd be a disgrace to the country, it'd be unprecedented, it'd be bigger than Watergate. Um, now what the president seems to be asserting is, is pretty big but what seems to have been verified by some of the US media outlets is that there was this, this man, Stephen Halper, who had contacts with people in the Trump campaign but wasn't sort of embedded or planted 
in the campaign itself. Now, Donald Trump and his allies have obviously just cried foul on this, and he's been demanding an investigation by the Department of Justice uh, into what happened and into the FBI. So essentially what you've got here is for months the investigators and the FBI have been pointing at the finger or um, putting a cloud over Donald Trump and his campaign for possible wrongdoing. And what it seems Trump and his allies are doing is sort of turning that around and trying to put the blame and the spotlight on the FBI and the investigators um, and alleging them uh, of wrongdoing. So what's happened now is the Department of Justice has ordered the Inspector General to investigate, but more controversially, it's agreed to allow some members of Congress and Trump's allies to view some of the intelligence material relating to Stephen Halper and this FBI informant's role, uh, which is something that critics say could jeopardise the integrity of the investigation in this very leaky sieve that is Washington if you've got Trump's allies at a meeting brokered by John Kelly, Trump's chief of staff, looking at sensitive information relating to the investigation, uh, which then could leak back to the president or leak publicly, uh, it could put the whole investigation in jeopardy. But obviously Donald Trump and his allies have been putting a lot of pressure on the Department of Justice to do something uh, to try and justify this FBI informant's role. He's also kind of hinted that or raised the prospect that this FBI informant was ordered into the Trump campaign at the request of Obama. Um, so adding another element of scandal there. Uh, kind of the argument that the FBI and a few of the FBI's defenders are making is that this, the point of this was to kind of protect Donald Trump from any questionable uh, foreign influence. Does that, is, that, is that kind of what the argument is? Yes, it is. And also, I think, an aspect too of just doing their due diligence after they had this tip, which we now know, interestingly, came from former Australian Foreign Minister Alexander Downer that the Trump I campaign... still can't get over that. How, how did Alexander Downer get over this? I had to come into work the day before uh, New Year's Eve to report that and, um, yeah, flabbergasted. But yeah, so I think there there was an aspect of doing due, due diligence, also an aspect of saving the Trump campaign from itself. If it was about to, if there was a low-level member about to do something silly with a foreign power, but I think it also shows you just what upside-down times we live in. That it's a Republican president complaining about a former Republican operative who's worked for the FBI for a long time and arguing for him and everything about him to be outed into the public arena. It's really very odd the whole situation, particularly considering. You know, if Donald Trump's argument is that uh, the FBI planted someone in his campaign to gather information about it, you know, for nefarious purposes, they didn't ever tell anyone about it. They didn't release that information until ever. They, like, we didn't find out about it until long after the actual election. It doesn't doesn't really That's make right. a whole and, lot of sense, um, does it? Exactly. And it contrasts so sharply with the way the FBI publicised information about Hillary Clinton's email investigation just days before the election. Of course, she says that cost her the election, along with other things, but whether or not that's true is up for the debate. But if the FBI was trying to sabotage Donald Trump's campaign, they did a pretty bad job of it. Look, guys, uh, what's the... Um, I'm keen to hear from you. What's the little tidbit of information that's really caught your eye and, and made you raise an eyebrow about the, uh, the whole Mueller investigation over the last week? Week or so. I think for me it was this morning I was sitting at the breakfast table reading my New York Times, having a cup of tea and having Donald Trump's tweets on alert on my phone 
just popped up capital letters witch hunt exclamation mark no explanation whatsoever and i was like ugh this again so looking into it um there's a tweet by uh cnn correspondent david gellies which said he's had done an analysis of how many times donald trump's tweeted witch hunt in the last few months actually i think it's the last year and so in may to date he's tweeted the words witch hunt 15 times as in just in previous... witch hunt just witch yeah. hunt nothing else oh, in in context of other oh, in things context, cause, yeah. cause i know he does like um, to he does like to fire off an all caps witch hunt exclamation mark yeah. enough, no other information exactly and apparently in previous um previous months it's sort of been between like four and seven times so it's kind of indicative again of this point that you know donald trump is really and his allies um are really ratcheting up this sort of um attempt to discredit the Mueller investigation, the FBI, the Department of Justice, and really spin the narrative as opposed to being the, uh, you know, being the accused um, and trying to turn it around and make the, you know, the other side the the accused. So mm. I think it's, it, and, and that sort of, to me, begs the question, why now? What, I mean, are they, in what ways are they feeling the pressure that they really need to sort of take a new tack and spin this narrative a new way? And I suppose Rudy Giuliani, who Donald Trump's appointed as his lawyer, who's been pretty vocal in outing a lot of this stuff we've been talking about with Michael Cohen and the payments, you know, they've really sort of switched this tack to try and, they've ramped up their efforts to sort of try and discredit the Mueller investigation. And, and it just begs the question, uh, why now? Connor, what have you found? Look, I still can't get over the fact that Donald Trump's scared of sharks, um, which is kind of tangential to the Mueller inquiry, but we know through Stormy Daniels and all of the nefarious dealings there. So um, I'll just leave that one with you. Where did you get the information that he's, where did you hear that he's afraid of sharks? Uh, I didn't want to go into it in cringeworthy detail, but um, Stormy Daniels <laughs> said that when they had their fling that they watched Shark Week together um, on TV on the Nat Geo channel because Trump is petrified of sharks. Okay. Uh <laughs> So, and since then, donations to various shark charities have soared. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Pleasure. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for joining me for this bonus Trump date. Our email address is russia at abc.net.au. You can get in touch with your comments on any of our episodes. I'll be back on Monday with episode three of Russia if you're listening. Catch you then. 